Welcome here to Highland Park Presbyterian Church. My name is Emily Skates. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And on behalf of our church family and pastors and staff, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you are here. If you are a first-time guest with us, or maybe this is a family tradition where you come and worship with us on Christmas Eve, we're so grateful that you chose to worship here with us at Highland Park Prez. Hopefully when you came in, you grabbed yourself a worship guide. If not, that is okay. We have a worship guide online at hpprez.org backslash bulletin. This is where you can follow along with us during the service but also something you can hold on to to look at for ways that you can get connected in the life and family of our church. Maybe in 2024, you have some certain goals of how you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we hope you will join us in the various ways we have. Also, hopefully you picked up a candle. If you have not, please raise your hand. One of our ushers will come bring you a candle. We will have a candle lighting ceremony during the end of our service. Now, Jesus said, where two or more gather, there I am with you. It is our hope and prayer that during this sacred time together, that we will grasp hold of this truth that God truly is with us and that we would all draw nearer and nearer to our God who draws near to us. In fact, the Schuert family later on will come and they will light the Advent wreath up here, which is a reminder to us that our God entered into the darkness, into the despair, into the weary world, and he came as light, as hope and joy. And so later on, they will light these candles on this wreath, and we will sing our songs, we will pray our prayers, we will hear God's word proclaimed. But before all that, let us give God the first word as we hear his scripture spoken over us. Let us hear from the Gospel of Luke, the story of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. Chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month 
for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you all go ahead and stand with us as we start out in worship this morning. A weary world gets to rejoice because of the coming of our Savior. So we fix our eyes on him this morning. Oh 
Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you with a reverent expectation that you will move. We come to you as people impacted by you, O oh God. We come before you with the expectation that the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, brings hope, peace, joy, and love, regardless of our life circumstances. Oh God, as we long for your second coming, we hope that you will make all things new, and we believe you will make all things new. Oh God, as we experience loss and sorrow, would you lead us by your Spirit to be people of hope amid the pain? Would our lives reflect the true hope, not the false hope found in our own strength, but true strength that is found in our risen Savior? Help us to live as people marked by this hope. And as we live marked by hope, would you help us live in word and deed just like you did? A Savior full of truth and grace. And so as we gather as families, whether blood relatives or by family by circumstance, help us to live a life full of grace and truth shown perfectly in Jesus Christ. Help us to love like this among those we deem as enemies or even those we deem as unworthy of the saving power of Christ. Would you change our hearts and minds to remind us that every human being is an image bearer of the creator God. And God, as you showed us by your love, Help this love to move in our lives, to us to our, us in our midst of the margins and the communities of our world where the light of Christ is needed most. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray to you, O God, in the hope, peace, joy, and love found in Christ alone. Amen. Friends, I'm so excited that so many of our friends are here together on Christmas Eve. Hey, let's learn more about the first Christmas by reading from the Bible together, the book of Luke. Uh, Teresa? Yeah, Bailey? I think I forgot my Bible. Do you know what? It's okay. You know the story. I'll bet you can follow along. Okay, friends, we're going to read Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. So there was this guy named Joseph and his great, 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 ba great. Ba Bailey, I, I think they get the idea. Oh, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Sorry. His ancestor was King David. So he had to go to David's old hometown of Frisco. Bailey, that, that's not what it says. Kids, can you help Bailey with this one? What was the town that Joseph and Mary went to? Can you say it a little bit louder? Oh, yeah, right. It was Bethlehem. Yes. So Joseph 
loaded up his fiance Mary, uh -huh. who was super duper pregnant, yeah. into his pickup truck. Bailey, it was the first century. There were no pickup trucks. Kids, I need your help. I can't remember this part. What do you think they rode on? Was it a golf cart? Or was it an airplane? Or was it a motorcycle? Bailey, they probably rode on a donkey. Oh. Yeah. So, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them anywhere. Ooh, ooh, I think I know this next part. Okay. That night, out in the fields, there were a bunch of cowboys out there watching their cows. Bailey, they were shepherds watching their flocks of sheep. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then a rock star showed up to tell them the good news. That's not right. No. Kids, do you know what happened next? Yes. That's right. Great job. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. Oh, they'd find him riding on a little baby sheep. Actually, they would find him all swaddled up in a manger. Friends, do you know what a manger is? Isn't that like a big food trough for animals to eat out of? And in the first century, they were usually carved out of a single piece of stone. But I forgot my Bible, so... Wow. Bailey, you actually got that right. Really? Yes. Um, do you want to finish telling the story? Y you can use my Bible. Thank you. Yeah. I think I'll give it a shot. <clears throat> okay. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. 
All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That's it. That is the story of Christmas. Christmas is such a big deal. It is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Christmas is the fact that God sent his son Jesus to be with us, to rescue us from our sin, and to fix our broken relationship with God. This is good news for everyone who believes in Jesus. Friends, we are so glad you came to celebrate the birth of Christ with us this year. Merry Christmas!
practice that we as a church family have every year, other than a donkey riding down the aisle, we have the practice of giving our Christmas offering directly to the vulnerable in our city and around the world. And this year we're giving all of our Christmas offering directly to the Compassion Fund, which is a fund that we have in place to help those who are in desperate need. Over the last year, we've helped over 450 families. An example of this is a, a young mom who was raising her kids, working a job in nursing school, and during that time, a severe storm completely took down their home. It was unlivable. And because of the Compassion Fund, we as a church could be the hands and feet of Jesus and offer them a place to live, provide for them, so not only she could raise her kids, but also get through nursing school. And so it helped keep them from being a family who was homeless to a family in a home. And so we want to continue helping those in our city and around the world. And we hope that you will join us by giving to the Compassion Fund. You can do so in many ways. You can do it in person in the offering boxes at the uh, doors of the service or in Hunt Lobby or online at hpprez.org backslash give. I want to thank you all in advance for your generosity and also God for what he is going to do in and through what you give. What better way to join our God who enters into the pain and in the struggles to be the light and hope to the world. So thank you all. Let us continue in our worship. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul. thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder praise. A new and glorious morn fall on your knees. Oh, here 
Amen. 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 It is with such joy we get to celebrate Christmas with you here at Highland Park Presbyterian Church, whether you are in this room or in Elliott Hall or in Wynn Chapel or joining us online. It is a gift for us to worship together today. I remember a few years ago, I got a call from a woman uh, inviting me to go to the North Park Mall. This was a week before Christmas Eve services on that Sunday afternoon so that she could pick out a gift for me, which was a really nice gesture for someone to do this. And I politely uh, asked her and told her, I said, typically I try not to go out on Sunday afternoons because I try to spend time with my kids. This is when my kids were younger. But she insisted that she wanted to take me out to the, North, to the North Park Mall to buy a gift for me. I said, 
again politely, ma'am, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you, but I just can't do that. Maybe we could pick a different time. And she said, no, Jay, I, I, I want to take you out on Sunday afternoon to get you a gift. Now, I'm, I was getting a little mad, a little upset. I said, ma'am, I, I'm not going with you. I started raising my voice. I hung up on her. Now, I felt a little guilty because now I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be hanging up on a phone. So I, I called her right back and said, mom, I'm so sorry. I hung up on you. <laughs> and I felt bad. And maybe you had these awful gift exchange moments, but we have a Christmas gift for you that you cannot refuse. There is a book that we're giving out, and the title of it is called The Anxious for Nothing. If you know someone, maybe you yourself or anyone else who is dealing with anxieties in life or pressures of life, uh, Pastor Max Lucado has written this book. He is a best-selling author. In fact, he's going to be joining us preaching here in the sanctuary on January 14th. So we want to invite you to come back on January 14th to hear his message. Well, a few years ago, our youngest daughter, Anna, asked for a Disney Plus subscription. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but when it came out in November of 2019, its platform, the first day of the subscription, had over 10 million people subscribing within the first 12 hours. And there's something about the Disney movies that attract kids and adults alike because they have a, a fail-proof formula on how to tell beautiful stories. And there are actually three elements uh, to the movies that produce these amazing storylines. The first element is that of, of a problem solving. There's a problem to be solved. And, and Disney loves to make movies about just everyday problems that people go through. So think about uh, movies like Snow White or Finding Nemo. They deal with the common issues of family conflicts and family dynamics. And you have movies like Robin Hood that deals with uh, money problems and socioeconomic disparities. Or you have Toy Story that, that highlights friendship dynamics that even good friends can, have, can actually hurt you. And the, the second element to a good story making is that there is a villain right? There's a bad character. And we're going to do a little, a quick interactive game here, both kids and for adults. I'm going to name a movie. You tell me the villain of, this, of the movie itself. Are you ready? First one's easy. The movie Little Mermaid. Who is the villain? Ursula. Ursula. Very good. Ursula is the villain. Then you have the movie Aladdin. Who is the villain? Jafar. It's, that's right, Jafar. All right. How about the Lion King? Who's the villain? Yes, Scar. Okay, next one. Ultra question. In the movie Frozen, who is the villain? You, you cannot tell me, could you? It's a little hard. All the young dads will tell, me that, tell you that the, the villain, the true villain is the song Let It Go being played over and over again in a loop and you can't get that song off of your head. That's the villain. And finally, there's a hero, the third element. Uh, the hero is the one who's going to solve the problem. And the gospel writer Luke includes all three elements in the first two chapters of Gospel of Luke. A problem to be solved, a villain to be destroyed, and a hero to be cherished. But I will tell you that there is a fourth element to Disney's movie making. It's so subtle that you may not catch it. And that fourth element is interruption. Interruption. And the lives of the movie characters are interrupted by something or someone. 
And let me do a very quick language uh, lesson here with you. The word interruption is made up of two words coming together. It means to break into or to break apart. And that's a great definition of interruption because that's what it feels like, right? Interruption is something that breaks into. It breaks apart your, your thought, your schedule, your plans. It messes with your schedule. And during the Christmas season, this theme of interruption is best captured in the two families in the Bible. Even if you have not been around the church, you know the stories of Mary and Joseph, just like the video that we just saw. But, but there's another family with Mary's cousin Elizabeth. And here's a quick word on Elizabeth. Mary's cousin Elizabeth is old. And we don't exactly know how old she was, but based on uh, her husband Zechariah's account in Luke chapter 118, this is how he describes his wife. She was well along in years. The ESV translation says she is advanced in years. Now that's a well-trained husband's way of saying that she's really old, like really ancient. (laughs) They were beyond childbearing years, but they prayed and prayed and prayed, hoping that they would have a baby, but they gave up hope. Until that day, an angel showed up, Angel Gabriel. It says, Zechariah, guess what? Even though you're old, even though your wife is old, you're going to have a child. And that, that's a, quite an interruption uh, for, for these old people because you realize, you realize what this means. You can imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth at the grocery store, and they're going to be the only people shopping for both Pampers and Depends at the same time. <laughs> Now, let me tell you about Mary. Mary was a young teenager in love. You know, scholars say that she was anywhere between 13 and 14 years old. She comes from a poor family, from a small town that no one knew, middle of nowhere, a place called Nazareth. And she was engaged to be married. And just like any other young bride in today's modern society, she was excited about her upcoming marriage. She was thinking about guest lists and festivities and reception until there was a problem that came about. An uninvited guest shows up. The same angel that appeared six months ago to Elizabeth shows up to Mary. And the angel says in verse 28, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And obviously Mary is troubled by what she just saw and heard. And knowing this, angel says in verse 30, oh Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, and you're going to have a son. Not just any kind of son, the son of God. And you will, you will name him Jesus. And this Jesus, he's going to be a king. Not just any kind of king. King that rules the world forever and ever. Now imagine Mary having this long pause, wondering what this all meant. And with astonishing curiosity, she shouts, How will this be? I, I have not been with Joseph. We have not been together. How will this be? Now, I remember when my, my wife, Lisa, and I got married. And three months into our marriage, I went on a short-term mission trip to Cuba for seven days. It felt like it was a long eternity because we were newlyweds. I couldn't wait to, to come back. When I came back to Dallas, she picked me up at the DFW airport. And when I saw her, I could tell that something, there was something a little different about her. There was shimmering in her eyes, big smile, and she looks at me and says, honey, I am pregnant. Now, as a a young guy, 
I knew that this was a very important moment. And my response to her was going to be very important. But mind you, we've been married for a grand total of three months. And I had this expect, expectation of us being diaper-free for at least two years, being able to go to restaurants without pushing a stroller or asking for a high chair, this exotic vacations for us to go on. That, that was my plan. But, but I knew that I had to be very careful in how I would respond to her. After carefully crafting my thought, I said to her, What? <laughs> how? Now, when I said how, I know how. I know how she got pregnant. I know how babies, where babies are coming from. But, but, but when Mary asked, how can this be? I did not think that she was solely asking a biological or physiological question. But as a young Jewish girl, she was also asking a theological question. She was wondering, how can the God of the universe who is beyond time and space, enter into a particular moment in time and space? How is it possible that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who cannot be contained, be content in my belly, in, in, in the belly of a poor peasant girl from nowhere? And I love how she's questioning and even doubting what God can do because none of this made sense to her, right? And what I love about Mary's question is that maybe you have questions, Maybe the more you wrap your mind around the claims of Jesus, the more questions you have about God. And I want you to know that we can ask like Mary did. We can bring those questions to God. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. I believe doubt makes our faith stronger, and they can coexist as we work through them. And, you know, God delights in our curiosity, and God wants to engage with him as we asking him challenging questions. Now for Mary, this moment, this how can this be moment turned her life upside down. And some of you have had how can this be moments this year that changed the trajectory of your life. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says this, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God and God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans. You know, there are different kinds of interruptions. And I believe that most kinds of interruptions that we go through on a daily basis are more like inconveniences. I remember one Christmas Eve service, we actually had a donkey, right? And I'm sorry, not a donkey, a camel that would come down the aisle during a song. Well, near this camel refused to come down, and we fired that camel. And that's why we hired a donkey. But we learned quickly that, that, that donkeys are just as stubborn. That's not a political statement. A couple of years ago, do you remember? That, no, you, of course you would not remember. Because at 12 p.m. service a couple of years ago, the power went out. We had no electricity. So, so you all and the volunteers, we scrambled to eat lamps and candles. We made the sanctuary beautiful because we didn't have any electricity. We had no words, but we made it work. We figured it out. We came together and we, we figured out how to move forward. However, there are kinds of interruptions where you cannot figure out how to move forward. You cannot solve it. You can't have backup plans. Your backup to backup plans won't work. And these are the kinds of interruptions that literally break apart and, and disrupt the flow of our hopes and dreams. 
And, and the reason why these kinds of interruptions are so hard for us is because it messes with our understanding of time. You, you see, God's sense of timing is almost always different than ours. As with Elizabeth, the time moved very slowly. And for Mary, time moved so fast, almost abrupt. And all of us here, we live somewhere between God moving too slow or God moving too fast. Some of you here today are like Elizabeth, and you've been waiting and waiting and praying for something for a long time, and you're ready to give up, and you're wondering when everything will turn out okay. Maybe it's a business deal that you've been working on for a very long time. You're waiting for that commission check to come through. Or you've been waiting on that, that medical test results that's been inconclusive for many, many months. Others of you are like Mary. You've been blindsided by something. Out of nowhere, something unexpected hits you. You got let go from a job. You feel crushed by unexpected breakup. A family member betrayed you. And the thing about our experience with time is that as finite people, we think of time in a linear, sequential fashion. Past, present, future, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So when we forget to do chores, if we forget to do run errands yesterday, we say to ourselves, oh, we'll do that tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Oh, if, you're, if you forget to take on that trip or something interrupted you to take on that summer trip, you say to yourself, okay, I'll take that next time. We live expecting that there's some predictability to life. However, when there's an abrupt interruption, such as a significant loss, the time continuum disrupts. Everything pauses. And as some of you know, our church and our community has experienced a significant loss of young, vibrant people this year. And here's what happens. A catastrophic loss creates a sense of incompleteness. There's a big empty hole in our hearts and you are left with this feeling of, of a loss of future. And it's in these moments of utter despair and hopelessness, God wants to make himself known to us. He longs to reveal himself to us to get a hold of us. You know, going back to Lisa's pregnancy with our first child, I've watched her go through uh, transformation, not just in her body, but just everything about her. I, I, I started to notice that there are certain things that she couldn't do, like the, the restaurants that she would love, to, love going to, she couldn't go because the certain smells would really bother her. Or when she would sleep, she, couldn't, she would constantly turn side to side because sleeping on her back was not comfortable. And her eating habits changed. She ate like a squirrel, just constantly eating food. And wherever we traveled, she always, always would ask, let's make sure that there are bathroom stops nearby. She's, this, all these things were starting to happening. She had this nausea that lasted for all of her pregnancies. You see, Lee Sun could not control her pregnancy. Her pregnancy controlled her. Her pregnancy got a hold of her. Why? It's because there was another life in her body. And this is a depiction of a Christmas story that God stepped out of heaven and entered into our lives in the most vulnerable, improbable places. 
And he breaks into your life and my life through sheer grace. And grace is that one-way love that will hold you up when everything else will let you down. So when Mary experiences God's grace, her doubt turns into a seed of faith and responds in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And Mary embraces the divine interruption. You know, the villain in the Christmas story is not King Herod. It's not Caesar Augustus or even the Roman Empire. But the villain in the story is our sin. And sin is what separates us from God. And sin is what interrupts our relationship with others. And the problem that we have is that all of us, we live in the darkness of this world. And you know it, you sense it, you feel it. You know that the world is not supposed to be like this. But on that first Christmas day, the word became flesh. And God left his throne in heaven and came into the world. He lived in poverty and among the rejects. He ate with sinners. And he, then he died a criminal's death when they nailed him to a cross. And then they put his body in the grave. But the death could not hold him. On the third day, the time paused. This time for a different reason. He was raised from the dead. And Jesus interrupts. And he breaks apart the power of sin and death to free us. And he did that for you so that your life could be filled with his life and his light. So now whether you are here in this room or in Elliott Hall or Wind Chapel or watching online, I want to ask you now to reach for your candle. And as you do that, I want to pray for us. Even if prayer is something that you've never done before, Maybe you believe that there is God, but for a long time, you feel like you have been distant with God, and you wonder, does God really love me? And I'm going to tell you, yes, God loves you. God cares for you. God longs to be with you. God gave up his life for you. And this God wants to embrace you once again, for you to experience his incredible freedom in life. So if you allow me, let us, let us pray together. Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you that you made your dwelling with us so that we could find our perfect dwelling with you and in you. Now I pray for everybody today who needs hope, who needs light to break through their darkness, who needs to know that they are loved by you and they belong to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
On behalf of Highland Park Presbyterian Church staff, family, I want to thank you 
Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for being our strength during this season. And you've been so great to us. We come together to cherish the one who is with us, God who is with us, as we celebrate the birth of Christ's child. As God's people, we leave here today carrying this hope, peace, joy, and love to the world. We know that as God's people, we go as people who are filled with Mary's wonder, eagerness of the shepherds, the joy of the angels, and peace that comes from the Christ child. May we experience this joy that we give to the world. Amen. Would you stand with us? Sing this last carol out together joyfully. And joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let
Christmas. Go in peace.